Welcome to Growth Mindset University. I'm your host, Jordan Paris, and this show is all about learning the lessons we should have learned in school but did not, so that we can succeed in the progressive new age of business and life we find ourselves in today. Each episode will feature a brand new lesson, and now it's time for today's lesson. So put your thinking cap on, because school is now in session. When I first started this podcast, I had no clue what I was doing, and it showed. This podcast was terrible in the beginning, so much so that when people tell me today that they listen to early episodes, I cringe because it was just that bad. But along the way, of course, I figured things out and started growing as I was going. But I wish I knew these things in the beginning. I could have saved so much time, money, and just sheer embarrassment. Now I'm solving for all of the unknown variables of podcasting for you with my brand new course, How to Become a Rockstar Podcaster. Oh, and by the way, it's completely free. In the course, I give away every single one of my secrets from marketing to building a business around your podcast and monetizing your podcast without ads. I put a ton of effort into this course over the past few months, and it is extremely professional. And this is something that people around me said I should be selling for 400 bucks, but I said, no, I am giving this away for free. I couldn't think of something better to share with you. So for free access to my new course, How to Become a Rockstar Podcaster, you can go to jordanparis.com forward slash course. That's jordanparis.com forward slash course for free access to my brand new course, How to Become a Rockstar Podcaster. I look forward to seeing you in the course. Let's build a business around your podcast. I am extremely grateful that you are here with me today on Growth Mindset University. Just want to let you know that two times per week, we have interviews with the best of the best. New York Times bestselling authors, billionaires, the like, the most successful people in the world, people like Mark Manson, Naveen Jain, James Altucher, so many more. And I don't want you to miss these interviews. So go ahead and subscribe to this podcast, Growth Mindset University, wherever you are listening right now. One of my favorite things is when you reach out to our guests that we have on the show. So for example, if you enjoy today's guest, please reach out to them. Tell them that you enjoyed today's episode. Send them that token of gratitude. Like, look, I heard John Jordan's show and it was so good. This really impacted me. If you do this with every guest, you're going to start building a world-class network in record time. This is how I built my network. So this is just another way I'm looking to give back to you here. Just give you this little tip. So reach out to our guest today. And now without further ado, please enjoy the show. My guest today is David Meltzer. David is currently the CEO of Sports One Marketing, one of the world's leading sports and entertainment marketing agencies, which he co-founded with Hall of Fame quarterback Warren Moon. Prior to Sports One Marketing, he was the CEO of the world's first smartphone, the PCE phone, and later became CEO of the world's most notable sports agency, Lee Steinberg Sports and Entertainment. He is an award-winning humanitarian and international keynote speaker, best-selling author, chairman of the Unstoppable Foundation, and is profiled by national publications such as Entrepreneur, 
Forbes, ESPN, CNB, and so many more. David Meltzer, welcome to the show once again. It's great to be back. I love doing the growth mindset. I'm excited. It's what I live for. Fantastic. So I want to make sure people can find you at David Meltzer on Instagram, Twitter, wherever, DaveMeltzer.com. And your new book, Game Time Decision Making, is on Amazon. Absolutely. Uh, and it's done really well. It's a number one new release. And very excited to give people that game time decision making technique so that they can make the decision to be happy, most importantly. So besides your new book, what is the most new? What's new and exciting since we last talked in February? You know, the most exciting thing, Elevator Pitch, uh, my TV show, which I'm the executive producer of and host of, uh, is in the fifth season. Um, and it's really allowed us to get involved with a lot of exciting companies, about 30 a season, uh, building up the investment funds that we have. And even moreover, giving me more opportunity to be a business advisor. Uh, was uh, honored as a top 100 executive coach in the world by Marshall Goldsmith. And I've been doing a lot more on the advisory side of things and really scaling myself to empower others, to empower others, to make a lot of money help a lot of people and have a lot of fun. And that is exactly what I wanted to break down. So since we last, since we talked, I have solidified that concept, uh, this concept in my head, which was don't make a living, design a life. And I, I realized that I was operating at least subconsciously with your make a lot of money, help a lot of people have a lot of fun. Basically what my designed life is, what that means to me is, Every activity fits at least one of those three criteria. Make a lot of money, help a lot of people, have a lot of fun. If it doesn't fit one of those three criteria, I either don't do it at all or I outsource it. So I'm really curious, uh, what does that mean? Uh, you know, if you were to break that down, make a lot of money, help a lot of people, have a lot of fun, what does that mean to you? Well, first you have to break it down into mindset. So what I do is I tell myself I have one action and then everything else is a reaction. So I need two mindsets. The first mindset is what's gonna be my first action of the day? And so my first action of the day is to live in a world of more than enough, to live in a world of being of service and of value and providing more value than I receive and of asking for help. And what is that? That is a world of peace and love and light. So my first mindset when I wake up is to find peace, right? Find, I'm connected like a lamp to the biggest power source in the universe. In fact, I have more power in my pinky to light up this entire building for a month. And most people don't utilize a minuscule amount of that. And so what I want to do is how do I have the clearest connection to the source when I wake up? That's my first mindset. Then cognitively realize that in order to make a lot of money, help a lot of people and have a lot of fun, I have to keep that connection as clear as possible all day long. So my next mindset is how do I get back to center when my ego-based consciousness, when the need to be right, the need to be offended, the need to be inferior, superior, separate, angry, anxious, guilty, resentful, all these terrible feelings that we have that put us into a state of resistance, a state of avoid shortages and obstacles. How do I stay in the mindset to get back to that place of happiness? And then once I understand my mindset for the day, the next thing to understand is the two currencies that I'm after. And the two currencies that I have to be aware of is number one, money. 
right? At the pragmatic level, money gives me the power to shop. Money is an extremely important frequency. It's an extremely important object of energy in which I put into the flow, right? And so if I only have a green card, I can only manifest or shop for so much. If I have a platinum card, I can manifest or shop for more. If I have a black card, then I'm going to manifest or shop for whatever I want. And so my main objective is to understand that in order to, at this pragmatic level, get as much as I can, shop for as much as I can, and shop for the right things to allow it to come to me, then I need to want to appreciate it, which means be grateful for it and add value to it, and then give it away. My inspiration of making a lot of money is to help a lot of people. So I know that I'm just a conduit. I'm just a pipe that expands and accelerates so I can receive more and more and more to give to others. And most importantly, I know that that process I can enjoy consistently every day, persistently without quit to pursue my potential of living in a world of more than enough of everything to everyone, which makes me happy right? Which I then meet my objective of making a lot of money, helping a lot of people and having a lot of fun. Now, the second currency and the more important one is how do I do it? That's with the currency of faith. So what I need to work on every day to enjoy the consistent, persistent pursuit of my potential is everything that I think, say, do, and believe they go ahead and activate the DNA that's necessary for my personality traits, characteristics, obsessions and addictions, things I call my unconscious competency, to provide a frequency or an energy that attracts at a higher vibration, at a higher frequency, exactly what I want, just like a green card, platinum and black card attract what I want in the lower pragmatic level. I shop in my life to make a lot of money, help a lot of people and have a lot of fun with that aggregate of what I think they do believe in the unconscious competencies, which I listed, called faith. So if I'm aware of my mindset, what my money objectives are, and what my faith objectives are, I can have statistical success and accelerate and grow in a productive and accessible manner to make a lot of money, help a lot of people, and have a lot of fun. Excellent, excellent. And so I'm curious as well. Uh, we didn't talk about this last time. Well, if you, if I were to ask you, what is the greatest lesson that you learned from your father? Because I know you're so connected with your family, and it means a lot to you. Like, what's the greatest lesson you learned from your father? What would you say? For sure, that I'm not going to be the richest man in the cemetery. He he gave me a jacket for my 30th birthday with no pockets. Told me to hang in the closet to remind myself every day that I can't take anything with me and I'm not going to be the richest man in the cemetery. So the biggest lesson that he gave me was perspective that everything is here to come through me, not for me. And that, that ego-based emotion of being inferior or superior by making more money than everyone else, if all you want to do is make money to be happy, you'll never have enough money and you'll never be happy. That's the greatest lesson my father gave to me. Yeah, I, I asked, I, I know we talked about your mother last time, but, and I, I highly recommend that people listen to our first episode together. I think it's jordanparis.com slash EP68. Uh, and, and he gave you that jacket, David, at like the, correct me if I'm wrong, at or around the peak of your your wealth and riches before you lost it all. Yeah, even more importantly than giving it to me at my peak of wealth, he gave it to me at my peak of ego, 
Mm -hmm. You know, and the funniest thing about my father is the significance of that jacket is the most traumatic experience I had from my father was that my father was my hero and I carried a lot of guilt because my mom who worked two jobs and filled up turnstiles after she came home and packed our dinners in a station wagon so we could afford to eat used to suffer from from me telling her how great my father was when meanwhile he was a deadbeat dad who wasn't giving child support he was making her life miserable and she was radically humil humble about it and he was my hero until i was 10 years old when he forgot my birthday and told me that he didn't believe in birthdays that he didn't forget my birthday but didn't believe it so from 10 till 30 I really hated my father and I hated him for every reason that I hated myself because he was a bullshitter, a liar, a back-end seller, an overseller, and a manipulator. And I had become my father and he, with the recognition that he did not want me to be just like him, gave me that jacket and we changed our relationship for the next 50 years. Uh, I mean, sorry, uh, yeah, it would have been uh, pretty close to the next 20 years of my life. And he was a he was a wealthy man too, though. Yes, yeah. He just uh, and and he he also had his ups and downs, but he uh, you know just wasn't a, a good supporter, uh, and he was more a friend and a, and a guide to me, a mentor for me uh, than having a close relationship as a father. In fact, later on in my life, I had a stepfather who I was very close to that I had a much more. Uh, of a father-son relationship with where he drove hours and hours to watch me play college football and was much more interested in me than interesting. Mm -hmm. And now, now if I'm overstepping, feel free to let Don't worry. not to, to not, <laughs> not answer this. It's totally fine. And I could edit things out. Uh, but I am uh, so curious uh, again, don't have to answer that, you know, you had all these properties. I think the number that I, that I came up that I said last time, or, or you said was you know, like 30 something properties, mm -hmm. uh, the boats, houses, cars, uh, ski mountain what, golf course. <laughs> yeah. Uh, give us maybe if you're open to it, a ballpark of what your net worth was at the peak of it. Uh, however many years ago, over a hundred million dollars. Really? On paper. Yeah. That's in, that's, how, how does one lose, uh, that much in value like so so quickly i mean make bad assumptions so yeah this is a this is what game time decision making my new book is about right it's about giving lessons and teaching people that the lessons are going to keep on coming until you learn them and how do we avoid and how do we utilize the evaluation process the values that we have i have always been curious why hyper successful people um, all make decisions so quickly and it's because they know their values and when your values get askewed one of the number one values is to be of service but a second value is to ask for help uh, what I did was I made the assumption uh, number one I got in uh, I was living in ego I wasn't living in gratitude and I was living in a competitive world of just enough where there was just enough for me and I ended up getting into a lawsuit with a neighbor and trying to prove I was right and going through all of my liquidity thinking that I could easily just borrow against that hundred million dollars in property that I had and I was completely surprised that my assumption was wrong when I went to the bank in 2007 or 8 at the end of 7 and beginning of 8 and said hey I need five thousand five million dollars and they said yeah well you're not gonna get it here there's no credit line for you we're not letting people borrow you know with non-stated income that have all of these liabilities and although you have equity the bank's not in a good position and we don't feel comfortable giving you a loan and that was a catalytic 
again, catastrophic economic uh, assumption because I ended up spiraling really quickly. And when you own that many properties, it is its own economy. Uh, it's hard to control when people aren't going to give you access to your money and timing is essential and you start missing payments. Things can happen very quickly because banks are very keen in understanding assets and secured properties and they really protect themselves to make sure that they're in a good phase. In fact, when I went through my bankruptcy, most of everyone ended up in a much better position than they would have if I continued with my loans <laughs> because I had so much equity and they early on just weren't going to let me over leverage myself. Uh, and so in the end, I gained the most because I learned the lessons that I needed to learn in order to accelerate and grow and live the compassionate, purposeful, profitable life that I live now. And what age were you real quick when, uh, when your net worth was, you know, that high? Uh, so 36, 37 was the highest and I was bankrupt by 39. Oh yeah. And so there's, there's a lot of different, uh, beliefs you can have about money. Something that we've talked about on the podcast with say Dan Locke, who you guys, you guys should definitely talk, but anyway, can money, money can, I believe can be, uh, very toxic, uh, to your, to your ego, to your mental state. How does one, flip the script and, and, and not let it consume them. I think understanding money, the biggest lesson that I've learned is one, that it's an energy, it's an object of energy, which we put into the flow, which I stated earlier, but the real power of money isn't that it buys happiness or it allows you in any way, uh, does it carry evil or good to it? Um, but what it does is it accelerates the ego, right? So what it allows us to do is shop. And so if we have holes, uh, in ourselves, if there's deficiencies within ourselves, we start buying the wrong things. And when we buy the wrong things, they just allow us to go deeper and deeper into a further ego-based consciousness, which creates resistance, void, shortages, and obstacles. Basically, it depreciates our energy and causes us to be unhappy. If we shop for the right things, and we allow things to come through us with appreciation that we're grateful for everything we have and we add value to it and give it away, then we can live closer to a truth consciousness. We can enjoy the consistent, persistent pursuit of our potential. We can be happy. So I believe money is the most important thing at our pragmatic life, at our embodiment, at this level of consciousness. Money is the most important thing, but it causes us to make more decisions on what to buy and if we buy the wrong things, there's the risk of money. And if we buy the wrong things, we end up unhappy. But it also can accelerate and help us grow because if we buy the right things, like building community centers in Africa or building the Junior Achievement University for young entrepreneurs from 15 to 25 or giving money to the Boys and Girls Clubs or Big Brother, Big Sister or St. Jude Hospital, all the different things that you can do with money, including educating your own children, feeding them and clothing them, then you can be super happy. But if you're buying Porsches and Ferraris and motorhomes and ski boats uh, and thinking that you're better than other people because of it, you are setting yourself up for a depreciative life, not an appreciative life. Asking for a friend, can you buy a Porsche and not think you're better than other people and have it be okay? I'm not quite sure, man. I just have to be honest. I drive a Volt because I don't want to find out if wow. I have that capability. Um 
but yes, I, I think it's very difficult because of the way people treat you when you're in a Ferrari yeah. to think that you're not better than everybody else. And, you know, when they're grabbing your car and everyone's kissing your butt and parking you right in front and, you know, everybody's looking at you like you're an a-hole because you have that car, it creates separation. Uh, the fun thing about driving a Volt, it, it creates no separation at all. Yeah. It, <laughs> and it saves yeah. the environment. And then it saves the environment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's it's funny. I mean, yeah, you can escape it with the car, but you're still a very important person and you know, who's made a lot of his money back. I mean, you probably find and and the car would only heighten this, you probably find that people are, you know, they're they're not willing to like disagree with you and give yeah. you feed honest feedback. Like is that is that something you've run into? Yeah, twice in my life now, right? So the first time in my life, I bought that, right? So, you know, my mom was afraid to ever say anything. My wife, I paid for everything, right? I bought her house, a car, my wife, we had to live in nanny in a huge home and she drove nicer cars than I drove. And everybody was afraid to tell me the truth. And in fact, thank goodness, you know, I had my dad tell me the truth. I had my best friend tell me the truth that he didn't like who I was hanging out with and what I was doing. And when I told him that I wasn't like my friends, he told me, don't lie to yourself. You can lie to me, you don't lie to yourself. You are doing what those guys are doing. And then most importantly, my wife kicked my butt and told me that uh, unless I took stock in who I was, uh, that I better take stock in being lonely. And uh, my wife means everything to me. Uh, I made the right choice and I knew that and I was scared straight into truth-based consciousness and meditation and values and doing good and being of service. But to be honest, my biggest challenge today is still radical humility because there's very few people uh, that tell me the truth. And I'll tell you, the head of my media department who's really, I give you know 90% credit in building my brand. The reason he's my favorite person to, to travel with, hang out with, et cetera, is he has no problem. He's like my wife. You know, he has no problem kicking my butt into humility and saying, hey, you're not that good. Don't say this. Do this. You're, you know, I'm protecting you. I, don't, I know you don't want to hear it, big shot, but, you know, that's not what we're going to do. And, I, and he's younger than me. So there's very few people that are, you know, that honest. Everybody else is like, oh, my God, that was the best interview ever. And he's sitting there going, look, you know, you, you know, it's good, but this, this, and this. You know, you can't be careful here. This didn't make sense to me. You know, you, you don't want to tell that joke. You know, that's what I'm looking for because that's what really makes me better. Yeah, that's so important because it makes you better. So my final question before we wrap up and tell people more about the book you're productive for 64 hours a day. Did I hear that right? Yes. Well, even more now, I think. But that's, oh. how, that's how I made that's how I made a million dollars out of law school. So, uh, want me to explain how? Because I think it's a great lesson. Exactly. Yes, I, I do. Think, I think my people, favorite lesson. Yeah, I think people can beat uh, their expectations with math. And so, getting out of law school, I took a job because it had a two hundred fifty thousand dollar comp plan with salary and commissions and bonuses, not counting my expense account, which ironically was more money than I ever dreamed of, just living in hotel rooms and having my laundry and food paid for. But moreover, I looked at the job and I said, okay. I'm younger, I'm not as good as everybody else. Most of the guys had been in the job 20, 25 years. They owned their territories. They knew all the, the accounts in the territory. They were better salespeople than me. So how was I going to you know, beat or match what they could do? So number one, most of those guys had families and, and, and lives and children and wives, all the and divorce wives and second wives. So 
I knew one thing. They, on average, probably worked eight hours of productivity a day. What if I could just do 16 hours of productive work, right? Then I could, you know, have twice as much chance of doing well. And then what if I could study what I was doing, study my calendar, study my systems? What if I could become twice as efficient as them? Then I could have 32 hours of productivity in one day. And what if I could be more statistically successful than them? And I knew for me, the statistical success wasn't going to come by my closing ratio at first. So how was I going to be more statistically successful than them? It was to do more appointments. So if they were doing 10 appointments a week, I was going to do 40 appointments a week and close half as many appointments of the 40 than they closed of the 10. And I would do twice as much statistical success, which gave me 64 hours of productivity in one day. The other thing I did is I worked seven days a week. Uh, because I learned to love what I do. I have loved every job I've had, not because they're great. I'm not playing second base for the Padres. It's because I learned to love it. I find the light in everything and everyone in every situation. I learned to love it. So I was working 64 hours a day, eight days a week. I'm sorry, seven days a week. That's 56 days a week that of eight hour productive days. It's equivalent to 56 days a week. Therefore, in nine months, I worked 10 years. And so the irony of people telling me how successful I was out of law school is that I never really worked at plan. My plan was at 250,000 commission, right? I actually made 100,000 a year for 10 years, which was a million dollars, but I just did it in nine months. So everyone thought I was a great salesman. I actually was about 2.5 times worse than the average sales rep making 250. I just beat them with math. <laughs> David Meltzer, Game Time Decision Making. Get the book on Amazon. David, I, I have to thank you because you know, I don't know if you know this, but you, know, you being one of my first big guests back in February, I found out very quickly thereafter that everybody wanted to be on a podcast that David Meltzer had been on. And that was the turning and tipping point of everything and, and led to you know the everything from you know Dan Locke, James Altucher, and me being able to form these relationships with my heroes, you included. So, uh, David, you changed my life. Thank you so much. Well, we can all thank my heroes who I just did a TV show this week uh, with WGN, the world's greatest motivators. And I just said that exact, exact same speech to Bob Proctor, Les Brown, Mary Morrissey, and Sugar Ray Leonard. Um, so, uh, we can carry on our praise to the people that helped me. And you'll remember when somebody calls you for their first podcast, when you're super famous, Jordan, uh, you're going to say, man, it all started with Bob Proctor, Mary Morrissey, Les Brown, and, mm -hmm. and Sugar Ray Leonard, who gave a chance to David, and then David gave a chance to me. And now I'm giving a chance to this young person starting out with whatever they are too. So that's what I'm looking for. And that's what the book talks about, right? I'm empowering others to empower others to be happy be of service and ask for help. Really simple and you'll be successful, happy, profitable, and purposeful in everything you do. David, I could talk to you all day, but we're both getting interviewed right after this. So, <laughs> uh, David Meltzer, you're the man. Thank you very much. Talk to you soon, Jordan. Take care. There you have it, my friends. This has been another episode of Growth Mindset University, the podcast. Now, if you enjoyed this one today, all I ask is that you share it out to your friends, family, etc. on your Instagram story and tag me and our guest 
today. And don't forget to message our guest as well so that you build your network as you listen and learn with this podcast. And if you really believe that hearing the message of growth is important to the world and you want to help others find our show and you're not satisfied with just taking a screenshot and sharing this on your Instagram story, well, I've got good news for you. You can go the extra mile in helping spread this message of growth. You can leave us an honest rating and review in Apple Podcasts. We have over 200 ratings right now and it has made a gigantic difference for this show, not only helping people find the show, but getting awesome guests. Thank you all so very much. And until next time, my friends, make every day count, live to learn and grow to give.